Welcome to the Poetry Corner podcast. I'm Dr. Timothy Bartell. Today I want to step back from individual poems and talk a little bit about why this podcast is called Poetry Corner. Poetry Corner is a phrase that you'll hear all around. I've been on line and just search how many things are called Poetry Corner. And Poetry Corner seems to be a phrase that's used for websites, that's used for even segments on TV shows. Why is this so popular a phrase? Corner doesn't necessarily seem to be associated with poetry in any, I don't know, natural sense. It's not like poetry is a more corner-like genre than other literary genres. I suppose corners are small and poems are sometimes short. But where does this phrase poetry corner come from? Well, if you've ever been to England and had the opportunity to go to the Westminster Abbey, you'll find that the southwest wing of Westminster Abbey has been, from the 15th century onward, called Poet's Corner. And in fact, this term Poetry Corner is a permutation of this concept of the Poet's Corner. Now, what is the Poet's Corner in Westminster Abbey? Well, when Geoffrey Chaucer died in the year 1400 in the reign of King Henry IV, he was so revered as a poet he came to be quickly regarded as sort of the father of modern English poetry, one of the first to write poetry in an English that we would recognize, not the old Anglo-Saxon English of Beowulf, say, but what we would call the Middle English of the late Middle Ages and early modern period that has blended the Anglo-Saxon with the Norman French language to create what we know as this Middle English that would soon become the modern English of, say, Shakespeare, of Milton, of, of the English that we speak today. So anyway, Chaucer blended this Anglo-Saxon and Norman linguistic tradition in his poetry and took from the Norman French metrical tradition this idea of repeating iambic feet, this da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da sound. He was one of the first that really successfully wrote in this meter in English. In his Canterbury Tales in particular, we can find this. So his Canterbury Tales and his other poems, including his poem Troilus and Cressida and other short lyric poems, really established him as the preeminent English poet of his age. And so he was honored at his death with burial in Westminster Cathedral itself. Now, it's not unheard of to have people buried in cathedrals. In fact, often in cathedrals, the founding reason that the cathedral is where it is is it's built around the tomb of a saint or martyr or important person in that country's history. Instead of having a shrine to a holy person in Westminster Abbey, with Chaucer we have kind of a more secular shrine, we might say, to someone who was of great service to England and thus to the Church of England in his poetry. Now, Chaucer wasn't, as far as I know, known for any particular saintly devotion, but he is certainly a English Catholic writer of the highest stature. The Canterbury Tales are centered around a pilgrimage to Canterbury to pay homage to the shrine of St. Thomas, the martyr there. So 
Chaucer is honored in this kind of strange way with being buried in the cathedral, even though he's not a saint. And it kind of starts a tradition, and the southwest wing of Westminster Abbey becomes a corner, and it, it really it really isn't just a corner. I've been there. I, I spent a Vespers service there. I was trying to pay attention to Vespers, but I was also looking around to see if I could spot this tomb or that memorial, and it was quite fun to play guessing games of where's Chaucer buried. Turns out he's in a very large tomb in the back corner of the Southwest Wing. The Southwest Wing is actually a whole room almost that's set into the Southwest back corner that has, in fact, three walls. So there's actually two corners in Poet's Corner. And Chaucer, if you walk into the Southwest Wing and are facing the wing from the main cathedral, Chaucer's grave is in the back right corner. Chaucer being buried there starts this tradition of honoring poets with burial in Poets Corner. Spencer, almost 200 years later, is buried there. John Dryden is buried there. In the Victorian age, the great Victorian poets Tennyson and Robert Browning are buried there. Dickens is buried there. Thomas Hardy is buried there. So we have these writers who are primarily known for prose, Dickens and Hardy, though Hardy wrote some fantastic poetry, who start being buried there. Poet's Corner starts being not just a corner for those who have distinguished themselves in English verse, but kind of those who have distinguished themselves in English writing in general. Now, not everyone can be buried there. There's not a whole lot of space to bury people. But it became a place not just to bury poets, but to memorialize poets. So many, many poets, even though their body may lie somewhere else in their hometown, say Shakespeare's body lies in Stratford, but he's memorialized with a plaque or a bust or both in Poets' Corner in Westminster Cathedral. And so is Jane Austen, so is Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, so is W.H. Auden, so is T.S. Eliot. In fact, one of the most recent additions to the memorials in Poets' Corner is a memorial to C.S. Lewis himself. There was a big to-do about it in the news, and I think there's even a, a little volume that was published about the effort to get a plaque to Lewis. This idea of a poetry corner or a poet's corner really owes its conceptual life to this place in Westminster Cathedral where poets are either literally interred and memorialized and almost given sort of a literary secular shrine, uh, an analog to a, a saint's or martyr's shrine. But also it's this idea that we like to collect our memorials, to collect in one place our memories, our thoughts, our concepts of the writers who are important to us. And England being a place where church and state are connected, there isn't separation of church and state in England, what better, what more special, what more sacred place to memorialize those writers that mean the most to you but in the great cathedral in London? So that's kind of the history of Poets' Corner, and I like the idea that this podcast could be a place where we, not in necessarily a cathedral or official sacred sense, but in a sense of perhaps creating a space online, a digital space, a digital hallowed hall of writers, of those that we hold dear, and 
I think that this poetry podcast has been so far a place where we have done that, where I've tried to articulate why the poems that matter to me, the poems that have mattered to English writing for so long, why they are worthy of our memorial. So as we go forward in this podcast, I want to continue to think about this idea that in our minds, we have, we have these corners, these, these vestibules, these recesses that we store up poems in. Uh, the poet Don Patterson, who we've talked about on this podcast before, he said that there's something about a short poem, especially a sonnet. It's unique in that it's an art form that you can hold entirely within yourself. It's not that difficult to memorize a sonnet. And once you've memorized it, it's a whole piece of art that lives in you. This podcast is thus dedicated to those poets that should, those poems that should, at least be candidates for living in us, whether or not we totally agree with them. Some of the poems and poets I like most are those that I don't agree with, those that either because of far-flung ages distance from me or, or perhaps ideological differences from me, I don't quite agree with or, or maybe even frustrate me. But I, I hold them within myself. I think if they're great enough and if they're important enough and, and continue to wrestle with them. This is the gift that all great art, that especially short lyric poetry can give us, a piece of art within us in some hallowed vestibule of our minds that we can wrestle with, that we can memorialize, that we can walk by on a daily or weekly basis and say, ah, there are great words. There is a great life with which I should continually wrestle, with which I should continually measure myself, perhaps not in competition. I'm not going to compete with Milton or Eliot or Dryden or certainly Chaucer at their own game. They have already mastered it and will continue to be famous, but perhaps measuring our own lives, our own thoughts, our own dedications against their lives, their thoughts, their dedications, their callings to us to be more thoughtful, more measured, to find a form and order for our lives, which can make our lives meaningful, make our minds and thoughts examined, and perhaps bring us back to that cathedral space that is explicitly sacred. The greatest poets of the Christian tradition should always bring us back to church, in a sense. And like it or not, there's a place in England, Poets' Corner, where the poets have been invited into church. Even poets who, who weren't Orthodox Christians, even poets who weren't particularly religious, even poets that were hostile to religion. Philip Larkin, we've talked about his weird relationship with Christianity. He's memorialized in Poets' Corner. Even the poets who didn't want to be there are sometimes dragged in. I don't know if every poet would agree with me about much of what I say about poetry, every poet that I even talk about. But here we are. Here we have created a little corner online and hopefully a corner that can be of service and of inspiration and of challenge to you listeners. If you ever want to get in contact with us at the Poetry Corner podcast, email us at poetrycorner at stconstantine.org. Thanks for listening, and here's to many more memorializations of the great in the hallowed halls of this strange little online world of ours. Thank you. This has been the Poetry Corner podcast. I'm Dr. Timothy Bartell.